look to join us on the screen. John chapter number six. And as you're doing so, I want to say thank you again to those that are joining us online. We are reading from the book of John chapter number six. This is in the New Testament. And I want to say thank you to our church family that is so supportive and mature enough to understand what we are doing for our online viewers, for those that we are reaching around the world and online. I, I'm, I'm thankful for that. I don't get enough opportunity to tell you, but I'm thankful for your maturity of it. When you see those that are up here with cameras and you see those that are moving back and forth in different mics and you see them exchanging batteries for their, for their camera and for their equipment, we're not here putting on a show. We're not here trying to get attention for ourselves, but what we are doing is the mandate that we were given and to preach the gospel to the world. That is what we are doing and that is what we make the attempt to do. And there are people that are, and I, I know we can't share it in every service, but there are people on a weekly basis, sometimes daily, but every week that are sending emails for prayer requests and watching our services and thankful for it. Sometimes it's from worship. Sometimes it's from the preaching. Sometimes it's, it's from the interaction that they love. They love seeing the people respond to the word of God. They love seeing people respond to worship. Maybe they don't have a church where they're at. And it's touching and it's humbling that we could help be a difference in somebody's life. Some of these people we have never met, some of them we will never meet, but I believe that Revival Church is having an impact beyond what we, we see, beyond what we know, beyond who we have met, and I'm thankful for that. I am thankful for that. So I honor you. Thankful that you are mature enough to understand when you see people going back and forth, uh, is this a production, is this a show? Absolutely not. But we will use technology to our advantage to make a difference for the kingdom of God. If you want to be stuck and say, well, technology can only be negative, then it's only going to be negative. But we want to use it for the advancement of the kingdom of God. We want to help make a difference. Amen? We want to help make a difference. And so thank you. Thank you for partnering with us and helping us do that. I honor you today. And again, John chapter number six, and forgive me, there is not growth track class today. I apologize, it will be next week. Please forgive me on that. There will not be growth track class, but you can attend next week. John chapter number six, this is a familiar story. And for those that enjoy going back afterwards, and you may make notes, we are reading from the gospel. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and so what we are reading, you could also read, and I'm just going to share this with you here. If you want to make note of it, you're watching, listening, writing it down. What we're about to read right now in John chapter number 6, we're going to start 1 through 13. But it's also recorded in Matthew 14, in Mark 6, and in Luke 9. So uh, when you're getting into the Word of God, I want to encourage you, don't, don't give up because sometimes it feels so overwhelming. When you're getting into the word of God, it feels like, oh, where do I start? What do I, there's so many things. Is this a different story? Is this, sometimes you just want to, you want to read one story at a time and maybe you want to take different perspectives of it. Matthew had a perspective. Luke and, uh, and John had a perspective. And sometimes if I could just help somebody, maybe you're getting lost and you're just, I don't know what to read. Why don't you just focus on one story at a time and read it the same way that you would read a short book? The way that you would read a short book, a short story, focus on one story and start there and begin to read with that. And then you go to the next story. And sometimes it's the same chapter. Sometimes it's multiple chapters. But if I can just kindly encourage somebody, that may be an approach that you want to take as you get the word of God in your life. Because we all need it. We all need it and we're all growing. None of us have graduated out of the word of God. But I just want to kindly encourage somebody today. 
And so John chapter number 6, 1 through 13, I'll read quickly, reading through the New King James Version. After these things, what were these things? John had been beheaded. John the Baptist was killed. And uh, Matthew, you'll read about that in Matthew chapter number 14. And now they've heard about it. The disciples have buried John. And this is a significant time. Jesus is teaching and talking still throughout this. But the Bible says after these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on the sick, those that were sick in body. And they were following them. And Jesus went up on the mountain. And there he sat with his disciples. And when the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near, Jesus lifted up his eyes. He lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him. I want to pause for just a moment and tell you, ask you this question. What is it that Jesus looks for? He looks for people. Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him. He said to Philip, he looks at the disciple and says, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test them for he knew what he would do. Jesus already knew what was going to happen and Philip answered him and said, 200 denarii. I don't have six to eight months of wages. That, that wouldn't even be enough, he says. This wouldn't be enough for them that even they would have just a little. But one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But What are they among so many? And Jesus said, make the people sit down. There's much grass in this place. Make them sit down. There was about the Bible. This is what the Bible says. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. So they are numbering the men. It is about 5,000. This is not women and children that are numbered. And Jesus took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down and likewise of the fish as much as they wanted. Somebody said they got real full. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments, get all the leftovers that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. With the help of the Lord this morning for the next few minutes, I want to speak to you on this very simple thought. Don't forget the leftovers. Don't forget the leftovers. Right where you're standing, I know we've worshiped together, we've praised and prayed together, but one more time, would you join with me? You can put your Bible down, you can hold it however you're comfortable. Lord, we are so thankful today that you've allowed us again this opportunity. Lord, we know that your word can stand all by itself but you have allowed us to journey through it together. And Lord, we are grateful. And Lord, I pray right now an anointing upon your people, an anointing upon this congregation, Lord, everyone that is here and everyone that is joining us and watching, I pray right now, God, that you would anoint them to receive your word. I pray as you would anoint them that you would anoint me. Remove error from my mind and from my mouth. Help me to speak what you want me to say in the manner that you want it to be spoken. And Lord, together, we promise and we will be certain to give you the glory, to give you the honor, and to give you all of the praise. In Jesus' name, we pray. Somebody shout his name. You may be seated. Don't forget the leftovers. I know as we have just come out of Thanksgiving that there are people here today that have been blessed 
that have been set apart with leftovers still in their home. If that's you, would you make some noise? We know that some things are wonderful when they're made, but some things are even better the next day and the day after. Are there any witnesses in the house? Some of y'all been eating turkey for three days and you still got plans today for lunch. One more flauta turkey. One more bowl of soup turkey. What, y'all make stuff up. You don't even know what to call it anymore, but it's turkey. You're doing your absolute best and I honor you today for it. And there's something special about leftovers, no doubt, and you begin to get excited and how many of you know you have that feeling and I, I pray this isn't something that's gonna happen to you and before we get into the word, let me just share some encouragement for somebody. Has anybody ever had that moment where you were so excited about that leftover, that, that plate that was left over and you tucked it away in the refrigerator and you made sure, Alex, it was where the kids couldn't get it and you made sure it was where nobody else knew where it was at, but somehow, someone, led by another spirit. Somebody that didn't pray that day. Somebody that wasn't sensitive to the things of God. They made their way into the refrigerator and somehow they got your leftovers. And you come home, anybody know that just that disappointing feeling when you get home and you're so excited, you don't even say hi to the family. You just walk right in. Talk to you later, give me a minute. And you open it up and it's gone. We're gonna have prayer for you today. Everybody knows what leftovers are. Everyone has had that testimony. Everyone knows what it's a part of. But today, as we look into the word of God, there are some things that we're going to highlight. There are some things that we're going to look at. And maybe it would allow us to view from a different perspective. And as this story unfolds, it is intriguing because the disciples and Jesus have just suffered a huge loss. John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ, has been beheaded, he has been killed. The king gave his word and it was something that had to happen and now it is a very sad time. The disciples are there and they go and they buried the body of that great man. That one that was selfless, that one that preached, that one that baptized, that one that gave his life. And it is an emotional moment, it is a sad time, no doubt. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter number 14 that Jesus went away, that he breaks away from the multitude and he is going to the mountain. But however, the people begin to look for him. The people begin to make noise about Jesus and where he is. And the Bible says that Jesus has compassion on them. And even though there is great loss, his work continues. Even though there is great suffering, his work continues. Even though there's moments that they were, they were looking at each other, no doubt, so sad and distraught, depressed even, but still the work of the Lord continued. It continued on through adversity. It continued on through, through times that did not make sense. It continued on. And this is a beautiful picture of Jesus because even in loss, the Bible shows us that he has compassion on those that are sick. And they are coming from everywhere. They are coming from the towns. They are coming from the villages. They are coming from the mountain. And they are finding Jesus. And they are gathering around Jesus. And the Bible says that he begins to heal those that are sick. He begins to heal those that are diseased. And can I pause on this Sunday morning to tell you that Jesus is never too busy for people. 
Can I tell you on this Sunday morning that I've got great news that it does not matter what has taken place. It does not matter what others have said. Jesus is never too busy for people. He had gone away, the Bible says, and he went into the mountain, but people come looking for him. People that are sick, people that are tired, people that are suffering, and his eyes find the multitude. His eyes find the people. His eyes find those that are hurting. His eyes find those that need answers. His eyes find those that walked with the limp, those that came in weary, and his eyes find them, and he begins to heal them. He begins to touch them. He begins to speak life over them, and all of a sudden, one begins to two, and it begins to two, to three, and four, and five, and it begins to multiply. And there are people, as far as you and I can see, and somehow, some way, there is no way that you can number them all, but somehow the disciples have come up with the fact that now gathered and surrounding Jesus, there are 5,000 men. Women and children are not included in this number. They did not count them, but there are 5,000 men. Some would say that there would be upwards to 15 and 20,000 people surrounding him, there to hear his words, there to watch his miracles, and the Bible says that this is going on not for a moment, not for a day, not for an hour or two, but for the full day it goes on. And the Bible shows us that it is now getting late. And as it is getting late, the disciples, probably like you and I, a little hungry, a little fatigued. I can see the disciples there, you know, trying to act as security for Jesus. Jesus is teaching and people are trying to get by and the disciples are there. Not now, not at this time. No, I'm sorry, not now. Not now. People overrunning them, trying to get to Jesus. I can imagine the disciples frustrated. I can imagine them tired. And I can imagine one of them finally go up to Jesus and say, it's late. You've been talking all day. You've been healing everybody. I think it's time we send them home. I think it's time that we just Say, thank you for coming. Maybe there will be another day you can make your way. Jesus, I think it's time we send them home. But the God that you and I serve looks back at the disciple and says, no, don't send them away. Can we pause for just a moment? When there's fatigue and when there's frustration, when it seems late and it seems as if the day is over and it seems like everything else and everyone else is done, Jesus says, no, don't send them away. I'm not done working in their life. But it looks like it's late for everybody else. It's look, it looks like, Jesus, you've got to be too tired and you've done so much already. What else can possibly be done? He, how are we going to feed all these people? We've we got to send them home so they can go eat something on their own. And he says, no, you don't need to send them away. We'll give them something. And Philip a lot like you and I, looks at him, says, listen, I'm not in the mood. I, I don't feel very miraculous right now. Anybody ever feel like that? Come, come on, be honest. I, I don't really feel like, I, Lord, I've been out here all day. I, my faith level is about here. I, I, we've gone through some things. I know you work miracles, but look, eight months of wages wouldn't even feed these people a little bit. That, that wouldn't even be a little bit. 
And now you're telling me you want to feed the people? You know we don't have that kind of money. You know we don't have that. But Jesus is taking the time to say, we will provide something for them. And the Bible says this. I love this as John is writing. He said, and this he asked him because he already knew what he was going to do. I see John in the background pinning the words close to Jesus, but not saying anything. Letting the conversation take place. And he said he knew what he was going to do, which I have to kindly remind you and I that if Jesus is asking us a question, it is simply for you and I to realize who it is that we are talking to. I want to tell somebody on this Sunday morning that if Jesus is asking the question, it is not because he doesn't know what to do. It is not because it's out of his control. It is not because he's surrounded and he doesn't have an answer. It is not because he doesn't have a solution, but he is simply reminding you and I that you need to realize who it is that you are talking to. I need you. I need you to understand. I need you to understand, Philip, who it is that you're talking to on the mountainside. What could we do? Jesus already has his plan. And Philip is saying, we don't have the money for it. Have you ever been there before? You are looking at every natural resource and it seems impossible. The audacity of God to ask us, what are we going to do? What are you going to do? Anybody feel like that? You know what I don't have. You know where I'm stuck. You know where I'm struggling. You know, I didn't ask for all these people here. They came to see you. And now you're asking me to do something about it. I don't have anything. And the Bible says that another disciple steps up. Andrew, the same one, Peter's brother, the one that would introduce Peter and Jesus. And I, I, I see Andrew as he steps up and says, I, I, I overheard you and I know we don't have the money to feed the people, but there is a lad here and he's got five barley loaves and two small fish. And Andrew, if you would have stopped right there, that would have been perfect. But then Andrew says, but what is this among so many? Just two fish and five loaves. I mean, it looks like this is a little something, but what can God do with this? What could God do with my situation? I mean, I mean, I showed up on Sunday, but it's not like God can still do a miracle in my life. I mean, I, 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 I mean I'll go to church, I'll show up, but it's not really like God's going to be able to work it out. What is this amongst, I'm, okay, fine. I see an opportunity of a little something, but really, what can God do with just a little something? And the stage is set. All God needs is someone to step up with what they have. I don't want you to miss that this morning. The only thing God is looking for is somebody to step up and not say, I've got a full inventory of everything you need. I've got everything that was requested. No, all he's looking for is for somebody to step up and say, I know it's not what everybody else thinks you need, but here's a little something that I brought. I know it doesn't look like much to anybody else in the room. I know people will scoff at it. I know people will talk about me. I know people will make fun of me for even suggesting it, but I just brought a little bit to you. And I love what Jesus does. He takes the fish and the loaves. 
He doesn't dismiss it. He doesn't say, uh, okay, really quick, where's this guy from? You know what, he, he doesn't say, okay, hold on, before I receive the fish and before I receive the barley, I need to know, what's your family tree look like? No, he's not concerned with that. What's your reputation? He's not concerned with that. What are you making available? What are you allowing him to get involved with? I want to encourage somebody today. The enemy will tell you, say, keep your lunch. Keep the little that you have. You should be embarrassed that you would even suggest it. You should be embarrassed that God could even do something in your life. You should be embarrassed. You, know, you know what you've done. You know where you come from. You know how dysfunctional your family is. You know those thoughts that you struggle with. You know those tendencies that you battle with. You know those insecurities that are very real in your life. Why do you think God could do anything with you? That's what the enemy will tell you. But what Jesus does is he simply takes the lunch. He's only looking to partner with somebody that is willing to make themselves available. What's so encouraging, Alvaro, is this, that Jesus highlights something that nobody else can take credit for. Because the Bible, these are not my words, these are, this is what the Bible says. These are from all accounts from the Gospels, that there was about, Jeremiah, 5,000, I'm sorry, say it again. So they numbered the men, but you know who they didn't number? The one that brought the lunch. They numbered the men, Matt, but they didn't number the children. And who is it that comes stepping up with a little something to offer the Lord? It was the one nobody else counted. It was the one nobody else thought they were significant enough. It was the one that everybody looked at and said, come on, what are you gonna do? Come on, you know your background, you know your story, you know, oh, come on. I ain't ever gonna count you. But it's the lad, it's the one that nobody took the time to count that made himself available. And Jesus says, that's everything that I need right there. I'm not looking for the qualified by everyone else's standards. I'm not looking for the people that got it all together. I'm not looking for the famous. I'm not looking for the popular. I'm not looking for those that are perfect. The ones that I'm looking for are those that will step up on Sunday and say, I've got a little lunch. I know it's just two fish and five loaves. Nobody counted on me. Nobody counted on me being a miracle. Nobody counted on me showing up to church. Nobody counted on me making a difference. But I brought a lunch and I make it available to you, Lord. And it shows us that Jesus is willing to partner with anyone that is willing to offer and make themselves available with what they have. Why does that matter? Because the enemy will always try to dismiss what you bring to the Lord. Your past, your story, your struggles, your pain, your insecurities. Look at all the, look at all the things that are wrong in your life. And what it does is it keeps you I guess this isn't anything valuable. I guess I can't be significant. But God said, no, give me somebody that nobody else counted. There is a lad here that has two fish and five loaves. And Jesus takes it. And you and I understand this as we begin to read through scripture that barley loaves, it was more fitting for livestock. 
It was more appropriate for livestock. They could eat it, of course. As, as, as people, you could eat it, but it was more appropriate for the livestock. It wasn't exactly the high. I know some of you, how some of you are. You want that certain type of bread. I know how it is. If you're going to eat a grilled cheese, it's got to be this bread. If I'm going to throw down, it's got to be like this. Listen, this wasn't the high end. This wasn't the quality going somewhere, but it was everything that was made available to Jesus. And what you bring to him, hear me, doesn't have to meet anybody else's standards. Hear me. Can you imagine if somebody was there and they're, they're about to eat and say, uh, uh, before you serve me, uh, what kind of bread is this? Shut up and eat. Uh, excuse me, excuse me. Uh, what seed did this fish come from? Starve, homie, starve. And as it begins to unfold, here it is, Jesus takes it, and I can imagine the disciples, they're kind of looking at each other a little upset. Like, bro, we're working a double today. I can see some of them looking at Andrew. And Jesus takes it, and the Bible says this, that he blesses it. And he, but notice, before he ever breaks it, he blesses it. He is literally saying thank you, even though it's not enough. He is standing there. If there's 5,000 men, and I'm not here to argue how many, some say it could be 15 to 20,000 people. There are thousands of people and everyone that reads and everyone that is listening today could agree. Two fish and five loaves is not enough. But Jesus takes the time to thank, to give thanks, even though there is a glaring deficit. Jesus takes the time, even though everybody watching him knows there isn't enough there. But before I do anything, let me say thank you for what I have. Before I take another step, before I pass another piece, let me just say thank you. I know it's not much to look at. Thank you. I know I don't have everything I wanted, but thank you. I know it's not what I've I, I written down in my journal. I know it's not what I prayed for. I know it's not what I've been believing for. I know the miracle hasn't happened. But I just want to take a moment and say thank you for what I've got. I want to take a moment on Sunday morning and just say thank you. I know there's deficit. I know there's a lot still that needs to be done. But I just want to take a moment on Sunday morning and say thank you for strengthening my body. I just want to take a moment and say thank you that I could stand in your presence. I, I know I haven't been the best. Christian I know I haven't been the best child to you but I just want to say thank you Lord for your love thank you for your mercy thank you for your grace I know there's some glaring deficits in my life but I just want to say thank you for what I do have and as we move quickly it shares and sheds light, Jeremiah, that gratitude precedes the miraculous. The foundation for the miracle actually started with gratitude. Let me say thank you for what I do have. Can I talk to somebody for just a quick moment here and remind you today, you may not have everything you want. You may not be where you plan to be. 
You may be struggling. You may look. You may look at a glaring deficit. And you may be surrounded by lack. But can I tell you on this Sunday morning that something significant takes place when we take a moment to say thank you for what we do have. I haven't come. I haven't come to preach a lying gospel that will tell you today that before you leave the church, your bank account's going to be full. I haven't come to tell you that you're driving out with a new car today. I haven't come to lie to you and tell you that everything you ever dreamed of and everything you ever wanted is going to happen by next Sunday. I haven't come to do that. But what I have come to tell you is that when you start with gratitude, when you take a moment to give thanks for what you have, and in his hands... Notice what begins to happen. It's in his hands. It's in his hands. Can I tell somebody today? Because what happens is when we realize how much we don't have, you ever notice how stingy you get? Come on, and, and it's in our nature. As a kid, when you've only got two Starbursts left, and it's red and it's pink, and you know, I mean, you don't give away the red and pink Starburst. You can have the yellow and orange if I've got plenty. But you ever notice it's in our nature, we get a little stingy. That little boy could have looked at all those thousands of people and said, mm, I don't even like this fish and bread, but I ain't giving it to nobody. It's all I got. It's everything that I have. But no, no, he didn't get stingy. What he did is say, look, I, I know this might be enough to fill me, but could it be that in the hands of this Jesus, could it be that though this is just a little bit, could it be that with my gratitude placed in his hands, could it be that there's more that can come from what I've given? I want to tell somebody this right now. What you think is so little, what you think is so despised, and what you think is so dismissed, what you think has no value, what you think has no significance, that's not the case if you place it in the right hands. In my hands, it'll fail. In my hands, it won't go very far. With me, there's going to be a limit. But can I tell you, when you give to Jesus what it is that you have, all of a sudden, what looked insignificant, all of a sudden, what looked like wasn't going to be enough. Jesus has it in his hands, and I moved quickly this morning. And here, I can see all the disciples waiting. And he says, sit the people down. He's got structure. I want to help somebody today really quick. He's got structure. He said, I want everybody sitting down in 50s and 100s. Get your structure. It's a quick lesson for me, for you, for all of us, for any reader, for any viewer, anybody getting into the Word and you read this story. Jesus has order and structure. Sit down in 50s and 100s. We're about to feed these people. I can see the disciples saying, are you kidding me? What? Jesus said, we're about to feed these people. He blesses it, and then he begins to break it, Raymond. He begins to break it. He took the little that was given, and he begins to make it even smaller. What are you doing? Because multiplication doesn't take place without breaking. He has the bread. I can give you the, one of the five barley loaves, but then it only feeds you. But in your hands, as you begin to break it, as you begin to tear it, Lord, as you begin to open up these pieces, all of a sudden one piece 
begins to become innumerable pieces. In his hands, he blesses it. But in their hands, they lose count. Hold on. What barley loaf is he starting on? I, I don't know. What do you mean? He just keeps breaking it. And as he breaks it, it continues to multiply. It begins to multiply to where the disciples are at. What basket are you at? I have no idea. I just keep, every time I go back, there's something there. I'm preaching to somebody. Hold, hold on. I thought you only gave them five barley loaves. I did. I did. It was the last Sunday in November. I just said, look, God, here's my life. I know it ain't much, but here it is. I know, I know nobody else is excited for it, but this is all I got. I know it don't look great. I know it don't smell great, but this is everything that I have. All I did was give it to, but every time, every time, there's just still a little bit more. And every time I make the journey, there's still a little bit more. And all I know is I just keep going back to him and there's more to be given and there's more to be served and there's more. All I'm doing as a disciple, what are you doing, Philip? All I'm doing is going back to him. All I'm doing, Josh, is going back to the source. And every time I go back to him, there's more than what, there's more there than when I first left. Because in his hands, what he blesses and he breaks, he begins to multiply. Can I talk to somebody that things have been breaking off? Things have been coming out. Things, you say, oh God, why are you doing this right now? Why are you allowing this to take place? Because he's about to multiply things in your life that he can't multiply unless it's broken. We don't want that word. I don't want, no, don't break me. Let me just have the whole loaf. No, 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 no. No, 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 because this isn't about you, Philip. This isn't about you, Andrew. This isn't about you, Peter. This goes beyond you. I said, sit them down in fifties and hundreds because you are about to be my waiter. You are about to be their server. Uh-oh. What am I saying? God chooses to... God, couldn't you just put a little bread and fish in their pocket? Yeah, he could. Couldn't you just package a little Lunchable? Give it to him? Yeah, he could. But he says, have him sit down. I'm using you, Alex, to make a difference. You stay right there, Tommy. I'm going to use you. I'm going to hand it to you. And then you are going to hand it to the people. Because God is trusting the most precious commodity at that moment. And he's saying, listen, I'm about to do a miracle. But guess what? You're involved in it. You're a part of it. You are exactly who I am. Ah, I, I need to encourage somebody because here's where some people may have a problem. I don't want nobody touching my food. And what does that look like? Why are you using him? Why are you using her? I don't agree with them. God says, sit down in fifties and hundreds. You feed that group. You feed that group. You feed that group. You. Oh, oh. And as a church, as people, as believers, the only role that I have it isn't to find out who's serving me, but it's who I can serve with what God has provided. I know nobody, not everybody will shout over that, 
But as we begin to look through the word of God, he chooses people to partner with people to make sure everybody gets fed. I'm sorry you and I don't agree. I'm sorry there's some differences, but what I have is from the Lord and I want to make sure you get what you need. I want to make sure you make it through. I want to make sure your family is has sufficient. Your family can make it through. The Bible said that everybody, I won't be much longer. The Bible said that everybody, everybody got full. Everybody got full, but it started, it started with an insignificant lunch from somebody that nobody else took the time to count. Don't you think, if you're the main character, Gia, don't you think one of the disciples should have had the awareness to say, you know what, I should probably get little dude's name. None of them did. None of them did. He didn't, he didn't look important. He didn't sound important. But we don't have what we have and what we just went through without somebody that nobody didn't take the time to count. And right here, I felt the Lord speak to me this morning for people right here on this Sunday morning that feel like you're not the one that anybody counts on, that you're not the one that anybody takes the time to know and learn their name, that you're not the one that anybody is looking for, but you have come to bring him something. You have come to bring him something. And I've come to tell you, maybe others have overlooked you. Maybe others have dismissed you. Maybe others have allowed you to walk in and walk out, but I have come to tell you on this Sunday morning that God is ready to partner with what you have that God is ready to take a hold of what you have made available I know it feels insignificant but it's more than enough I know it may look like it's not much but it's exactly what he desires and as he feeds everybody I'm just about done but as he feeds everybody everybody is fed they're full I can see it in the Bible says that they are so full that Jesus has to give the instructions All right, now I want you to collect all the fragments. Everything that is left over, I don't want you to forget. Because what I bless and what I break and what I multiply will not be wasted. But... You don't even know the names of the people you fed. You don't even, disciples, you don't even know the names of the fifties and the hundreds and the thousands that you gave food to. You don't even know their name. No, I don't. But Jesus wants to make it abundantly clear that he has made an abundance over what was needed and none of it will be wasted. What a lesson. You don't have to respond. What a lesson that Jesus shows the disciples. These are believers. Seen miracles. They are the ones that look at him and say, what is this among so many? Jesus says, watch me. Watch. You don't think that if he wanted enough food for 5,000, 10,000, 15,000, he could have made sure, oh, right, I'll stop breaking right there. Of course he could have. But he wanted it to resonate. Let it be said to every person 
And you know what? Let there be enough baskets for every tribe. Take those 12 baskets. Make sure there's one for every tribe. Let there be a reminder to everyone that the God that you and I serve is more than enough. What a testimony. Because it wasn't just, hey, did you hear what Jesus did? They looked down, Dana, and they patted their tummies and said, hey, let me tell you what just happened. I can tell you he's real. I can tell you I heard him. I can tell you I saw him. I can tell you I tasted it for myself. I can tell you what God is doing is something that is absolute. And if he can do it for the few, he can do it for you and I. If he can do it for 5,000 and 10,000, he can do it for your family. He can do it for your city. He can do it for your people. The ones that nobody else knows. The one that nobody else recognizes. People that are off in the shadows. People you're not proud of, but people that God has placed in your life. He says, bring them to me. And this is what he told him. He said, collect all the fragments so that there is nothing left. And I know, I know it would be easy to compare ourselves only to the little boy. It would be easy to compare himself only to the disciples. But I've come to just highlight a perspective today and tell you that you and I, you and I are the fragments left over. That people, why? Because as you begin to read in John, as he begins to go on in John chapter number 6, you begin to read as Jesus begins to teach them after the storm. I can see him with the backdrop of 12 baskets of bread. He begins to speak that he is the bread of life. He is the giver. He is the one. He is the source. He is. And you and I, there is no one in here today that he desires for you to be lost. He looks at every situation and says, make sure all the fragments are picked up. I know it don't look like much, but pick it up. I know it doesn't look like it's going to do anything, but I want you to take a hold of it. Because nothing that I touch, nothing that I bless, nothing that I break, nothing that I multiply is going to be in vain. It's not going to be wasted. What you've gone through, what you've endured, what you, what you are going through today, it's not going to be in vain collect it so that nothing is lost would you stand with me all over the sanctuary this morning he looks at those disciples and he makes it abundantly clear don't forget the leftovers let it be a reminder that there's nobody that's wasted let there be a reminder that there's no one that's insignificant. Let it, can you imagine as those disciples tired after a long day, now they're carrying a bread basket. Having to pick it up back into the boat. <laughs> but what a reminder. We started with nothing. It was just a little lad's lunch. But look at what God can do. It wasn't much to anybody else, but wow. Look at what God can do. And on this Sunday morning, I've come to encourage you. I have come to speak to you on this Sunday morning that God looks for people. And today, you may be the disciple. And today, maybe there's somebody else that has walked in and you feel a lot like that little lad. And you say, I don't know that I have much. I don't know that it can do anything. I know when I walked in, nobody thought I would be anything. But, but, but could it be that I make myself available today? Could it be that today's the day I decide I'm going to live for God? Could it be that today's the day I decide I'm getting baptized? Could it be that today's the day that you make up in your mind? No, it's not a little boy and it's not a lunch, but you step up and say, Lord, today is the day I recommit myself to you. I know I've wondered. I know I've done my own thing, but God, today I want to make available who I am. Today I want to make available what I have, and I do so today with gratefulness.
I do say it today, God, with gratefulness. I know it, not, it may not be much. I know it may not be, but it doesn't multiply until it's in your hands. It's just five loaves and it's just two fish in my hands and in everybody else's eyes. But as soon as my life, as soon as my offering, what I have as a person, not, not money, not, 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 not financial, not, not financial things at, at all. That's not what I'm speaking of. But as I give my offering today, as I offer myself, as I offer my attention and my energy, as I give my time, as I give my mind, as I give that to you, Lord, today, I know it doesn't look like much in anybody else's eyes, but in your hands, it's multiplied. That little boy didn't, didn't wake up, we'll just call it church, didn't wake up on that mountainside for church that day, knowing that he would be a part of a miracle. No, for the forest, he didn't wake up saying, today's the Sunday that God uses me for a miracle. No, because it happens on ordinary days with things that were prepared at home. You came walking in. Things that you carried in from home. You didn't think it was significant. You didn't say, oh, this is the Sunday that changes everything. No, no. You just showed up. Out of respect for him. Out of appreciation and gratitude. Because you enjoy his presence. Because you honor him, you showed up. And you didn't know, just like that little lad, that today was the day that God was going to be looking for what you were going to make available. I didn't know that today was going to be that miracle Sunday. I didn't know that today. Really? The Sunday after Thanksgiving? Come on. Yeah. God, with his eyes, looks up. And I could just imagine, as Andrew said, there's a lad here. That little lad had heard about Jesus somewhere. But he never thought he'd be able to talk to him. That little lad had heard about Jesus somewhere. But now, it's Jesus looking him in the eyes and saying, I'll take that, son. Are you sure? I'll take that, son. I'm sorry it's not the best. It's only barley loaves. It's okay. I'll take that. I'm sorry we've been out all day and these fish aren't in the best condition. It's okay. Just let me have what you have in my hands. I'll be the one to make a difference. I'll be the one to make the impact. You just make yourself available and watch what your willingness is about to do for the lives of people that you have never met before. And today, as we come to a close, as we come with an opportunity to commit and an opportunity to worship today, it's not the words of a preacher. I don't come today as if I have learned and know it all. Oh, no. But I come as a witness to the word of God and the power of his spirit. And I have come to tell you today what you have thought was insignificant and what you have thought would not be much. Jesus locks eyes with and says, that's everything that I need. Will you trust me with what you have? Will you trust me with what you have? Jesus begins to thank, give thanks for the little that it is. I know it's not enough, but I'm going to thank you. I know it doesn't look like much, but I'm going to say thanks.
I know it looks to everybody else like this is a waste of time, but this Sunday is not a waste of time. This Sunday is an opportunity where lives are changed. Today, people will be healed. Today, people will be delivered. Today, people will be set free. Today, people will be fed because there are people that will move from here to offer their lunch, to offer what they have. And Jesus is looking and speaking today and he's letting you and I know none of that is in vain. None of that's dismissed. So much so that I care about what's left over. I don't forget what's left over. I don't forget what others have forgotten. I don't forget what others would overlook. And right here on this Sunday morning as we prepare to sing and we prepare to worship all over the sanctuary, if you just close your eyes, those that are joining us online, would you pray with us as well? I know at times it's intimidating to respond. I know, especially if you're, you're brand new or it's been a while, you... You don't want people, you know, not everybody wants somebody to come and rush and pray for them. Not everybody wants them to huddle around them. We respect that. We understand that. But as your eyes are closed, I don't want you to, I don't want you to think about anybody else in the crowd. I don't want you to think about anybody else that surrounds you. I just, I want you just to make yourself available to the Lord right now. This altar is open, but where you're standing, you can pray too. Where you're kneeling and where you're sitting, where you're watching from is an opportunity that you can respond because Jesus is never too busy, because Jesus is never overlooking. No, he looks for those that others didn't count on. He looks for those that others would have never highlighted. And today is a day that we have an opportunity to bring to him. What you offer won't be forgotten. What you give, young man, young lady, what you give, sir, what you give, ma'am, is never in vain. doesn't feel like it'll ever make a difference. It doesn't feel it's just a normal day, just another Sunday, just a service I showed up to. But God, but God is reaching. Say, I know what I'm going to do, but I just need somebody to step up and offer it. I know what I have the power and capability of doing. I'll bless it. I'll break it. I'll multiply it. It'll be so much. It'll be so much more than they've ever imagined. But they just got to be willing to make themselves available. As we begin to sing, as we begin to pray, I want you, you just respond to the Lord today. Some of you with tears in your eyes. Some of you today are speaking in tongues for the first time in a long time. Some of you will speak in tongues for the first time. There are people here today, you, you, you come in, maybe you want to be baptized today. You have questions about baptism. We are more than happy to baptize you. We are more than happy to answer your questions. You are not here by accident. He cares for you. What about the fragments? What about the leftovers? Don't forget them. I care for those. I care for that. I'm looking for that. I'll make a way. I'll be the impact. I'll be the difference. Why are you giving thanks for what you have? Oh, I know it's not much. But thank you, Lord. Because I'm putting it in your hands. And in your hands, we lose count. And in your hands, it's multiplied. And in your hands, there's no limit. And in your hands, there's no boundaries to where it can go. And I'm thankful. And I'm thankful. All over this sanctuary, responding. You've got the attention of heaven today. It's not about a preacher. It's